Well, welcome to the Friday Night Late Show. Uh, we've got with us tonight uh, Laura Dagen. Hello, good to be back. Laura is joining me as my co-interviewer uh, and chat chat person. And we're, we're apologies from the doc because he's not joining us tonight. But we've got our guest tonight, uh, Tommy McNeil, the minister up in Stornoway, in Martin's Memorial in Stornoway. Tommy's going to be speaking about his latest book that he's uh, just written called Sleeping Giant. So, uh, Laura, I think together we're going to really uh, just wonder, can we weaken this giant? What might happen if we weaken the giant? uh Well, I have, uh, I started reading, um, I started reading um, the book and I'm so excited about it. And um, uh, yeah, and I'm like, I, I really want like loads of people. I just want everybody to read this now, you know, because it's uh, it's it's so encouraging, Tommy. It really is. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I do appreciate that. You know, I mean, God put the book on my heart eight years ago, 2014. And uh, I wasn't in a, in a rush to write it because I knew the time would be right. And I was obviously during lockdown. And my heart in writing was just to communicate something of God's heart to God's people, especially coming out of the last couple of years. And, and you know, your own your own experience of reading it has been the experience of many that it's just really engaging hearts and really encouraging God's people. Um, and I think that is so on God's heart right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Tommy, <clears throat> one of the things I was interested in your book is that you are really encouraging people to think about coming to a renewal of their own personal faith before we see the church renewed. How important is that, trying to encourage people to re-engage with their own personal growth? Yes, I mean, I, mean I, think, yeah, I think people need to be, to be reminded about just how amazing they are and the remarkable work that God has already done within their hearts. You know, for someone to be a believer in Jesus, God, they've already experienced the greatest miracle God ever performs. You know, so so that's a pretty high point to begin with. And I, and I think over the last couple of years that so many of God's people have been discouraged, disillusioned, somewhat disconnected. Um, and I do think that that part of what's on God's heart in this new season is to renew individuals in their own sense of faith, uh, their own sense of God's love for them, their love for God. And, and I think when I unpack that a little in the book is um, so often when we speak about the renewal of the church, uh, we're looking for signs of that outside of ourselves. Uh, whereas we need to realize when we're speaking about the church, we're speaking about ourselves and we're all part of the body. And so mm-hmm. if we're talking about renewal of the church, if that doesn't include me, that, then, you know, I'm having a laugh. Um, and it does put the onus and in some ways the responsibility on everyone else. And, and it's kind of, you know, it, it's the whole concept of be the change you want to see. And, and so one of the chapters in the book is, Lord, send revival and start with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's I think that's a key message um, that that the church and individual Christians have, have listened to enough bad news for a lifetime. Uh, and it's time that we heard and we're reminded of some good news about God and his love for us and about God's purposes coming to us and coming through us. Do you know, I'm so excited about having you on here tonight because... Some of our community in Sanctuary First, many of them have given up and going to church because they've been hurt and they've been, they've been, a, you know, just they're discontinuing going to church because they've become discouraged. Yeah. But a, having you on tonight talking about the importance of that, that they have a place to play and that they are the church, that the church is not about buildings and it's not about attending 
uh, so much church buildings, but it's about knowing something about your relationship with Jesus. It's the most important point. <clears throat> yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think during the last two or three years of profound challenge, you know, our identity has really been uh, called into question in terms of who we are as individuals. And I think, especially for those who maybe have become disconnected from church, that, that if all they're ever hearing is is the church judging them or the negativity for them not engaging, that, then that's not going to welcome anyone back. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think part of my heart is, no, no, re, re, reconnect your, your heart with God. And, and I actually met with someone two weeks ago who's in exactly that situation. Uh, and I find myself giving them opinion that once upon a time, I don't think I would have agreed with myself. But whereas I said to them, I said, you know what, you need to get um, just confirmed and affirmed in your own heart with God's love for you first and, and make sure you do that um, until, and, and when you do that, then God will lead you and speak to you as to what that might look like for you to re-engage with church. Um, and, and I told him, don't be in a hurry to do that uh, because, you know, clearly God is doing something new in your heart and in your life. And he'll know the right time, the right place, and the right people, you know, for you to engage, uh, re-engage with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hi, and you know, it's, I think as well, it's like, like I, I can be. Um, I know that I know that I am like, I'm a, I'm a minister in the Church of Scotland, but I can be quite um, anti-establishment, um, and uh, but I actually <clears throat> see that the reminder that you know. You are you are the church, you know, you're the church and 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 that I found that challenge, you know, I, I but it was it was a good challenge. Yeah. Um and it's helped me kind of, you know, get my head around, well, how can I like what you were saying about being that change that yeah. you want to see? But also it's like I think it's see for so many ministers just now, they are really tired, you know, they're a bit jaded. Um, and I think this book is coming at a time where actually you just want them all to be like grabbing it with both hands because it's this, you know, to have this personal revival, you know, like, you know, a reminder of like who you are, you know, why you're doing this. Um, and then, you know, to be able to see, well, once you have that, you, you reconnect, you have that renewal within yourself, then actually then how does that then how then does the lord take that outwards you know out into the wider church yeah absolutely that's good stuff laura that's good do you know tommy one of the things i noticed also that you place quite a big importance emphasis on the place of prayer in the church and also in the in, in the christian's life do you want to say a wee bit about that as well <clears throat> yeah i do think we need to redeem some teaching on prayer you know if you speak to any Christian and you say to them, are you any good at, at prayer? How's your prayer life? You know, a, a, a handful I might say, oh, my prayer life's really good, thanks. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a really good at praying. Uh, most of us actually, you know, prayer can be a challenge and a struggle. And and you know what? Prayer can take a whole variety of, of forms. So, so, you know, we have the more formal structured prayer within a church setting. So we have our Sunday morning worship where there'll be prayers and and. Uh, intercessory prayers and, and that's one element of prayer but you know prayer can be a sigh and, and prayer can be a tear and prayer can be a longing um, and, and, I, and I think that in some ways we've almost become too spiritual in, in our approach to prayer and even in how we pray uh, because you know I, I was preaching recently on uh, when uh, Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana and Galilee 
you know, Mary, his mother, turns to him and says, they have no more wine. Now, what she did in that context was she prays to Jesus because prayer is talking to Jesus. And she's bringing the problem. And by bringing the problem, mm -hmm. she's invoking him and, and kind of saying, come on, get involved in this. You sort this out because I know you can. Um, and, and I think we need to maybe demysticize, despiritualize prayer so that actually we realize, you know what? It's it's like Laura talking in her best Ouija accent, you know, and just telling God as it is. And he loves that. He absolutely <laughs> loves it. And, and, and part of what we've journeyed out within, within Mark's memorial is encouraging that approach to prayer. So what it means is that we involve God in the ordinary. And, and you know what's absolutely amazing? And I can only say this because we've walked it out. So where prayer for some of our folk would have been somewhat challenging, maybe a discouraging area of their spiritual lives, they are now so excited about prayer because they are praying about the little things, the ordinary things, and they're seeing answers. Now, the answers may not always be exactly what they want, but nonetheless, they're seeing God work and they're seeing God move. Uh, and, and it's, again, just tied up in this concept of, of who God is as our Heavenly Father, that he loves to hear our voices and he loves to get involved in, in the little things of life. Because, you know, again, with the challenges we faced, it's almost as though, you know, COVID, you know, Ukraine, cost of living, it's like my needs don't matter to God. Um, and the truth couldn't be further from that. He just loves to hear us and he loves for us to bring, yes, the big things, but also the little things. And then we see more of the activity of God in our lives and in the lives of others. Do you know, Tommy, you've been telling us, we've been doing a tour about this book around the country. And uh, do you think, uh, do you detect people connecting with the idea of prayer more as you go around? Or can you share a wee bit about this tour you've been making and uh, what, what the response has been? Yeah, gladly. Yeah, so it was just a couple of weeks ago. So it was called The Sleeping Giant Blessing the Generations Book Tour. And and to be perfectly honest, hands up, I was very reluctant to do the tour. Um, the book came out last December and my publishers and one or two others were, were encouraging me, go for it and do it. And I didn't want to. Um, and for the first few months, I resisted it because I didn't want it to be misinterpreted as a, as a marketing exercise to sell books. I didn't write the book to sell loads of copies. I wrote it to share something of God's heart. Mm. And then I, I shared it at a couple of conferences before the summer. And what you said at the beginning, Albert, God's people and people in general in such need of encouragement and in such need of hope. And when I shared at these conferences, honestly, people came alive. And there was, there was the power of getting people together, you know, from different churches or from no church, and the power of worship and the word of God. So when I eventually agreed and, and began some planning towards the book tour, uh, I said that it would have to happen in the context of worship. So we had a, a worship team made up of Sam Hibbard and Matthew McNeil, who's my son. So we had an acoustic guitar and two voices. Uh, SU Scotland partnered with me and EA Scotland partnered with me in, in running the tour. And both of their contributions meant that prayer was a real key because they brought that element in as well as the times that I would pray for myself. And honestly, I mean, so we started off in Glasgow, uh, in a bit of heaven. Uh, then we made our way to Aberdeen. Then we were in Perth. Then we were in Edinburgh and then in Inverness. And honestly, the sense of, of the presence of God each evening, the sense of what God was doing. And, and I mean, to be really honest, I mean, I, I shared two messages in the context of the evening, one of them especially related to the book. And I think I could have stood up there and spoken about wallpapering or anything, you know, because all the people were so with us and were just so open. Uh, and, and there was just the blessing of being together. 
it was it was really quite significant. So it was a, an absolutely wonderful week. And I did see, wow, yeah, there are more and more of God's people who, who do need to be encouraged within themselves and they need to be renewed in their sense of hope for the future. Well, you know something? We in Sanctuary First, we want a slice of that action. We want to be along scripture, scripture Union and the Evangelical Union. Sanctuary First is going to sponsor you as well. So come on, we want to be a part of this slice as well, don't we, Laura? Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. So the, next tour, the next tour, Sanctuary First is going to be there with you, Tommy. Well, that sounds yeah. wonderful. I mean, and you know, one of the encouraging things, and, and this is another theme in the book, is that, see, for years, um, in different parts of the church within Scotland, there's been this kind of mantra almost for years that the next move of God and revival in Scotland is going to be among young people. It's going to be among youth. Now, now I, I love young people. We've prioritized our work among youth for years. Um, but but I always had a, a, a kind of reservation around that because if, if I mean, what is it to be young? 30 and under, whatever. But So if you're over that, then what does that mean for you? You know, you're, you're kind of disenfranchised and you're kind of, well, okay, so am I done then? Um, and, and so part of, of what I communicated in the tour was my first message was blessing the generations and and Jacob having Joseph and his two grandsons in front of him and him releasing the covenant blessing. But as Jacob's going to do it, he crosses his arms because God speaks and tells him that uh, Ephraim is the younger son, but he's going to be the more blessed tribe. And so this was a prophetic moment uh, as God spoke about the future. And I was saying to to the seniors, you know, um, if, if you've got breath in your body and you're able to get here tonight, then it means that God still has work for you to do. Um, and I says, but the challenge is just allow him to do it his way. He might do it in a new way. And you know what was so wonderful? Each night, so SU were encouraging people to sign up. And every night they had people in their 70s and 80s signing up to volunteer for Scripture Union. I mean, how oh, wonderful oh, is that? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's you know, great. It's just, because that's that. You know, the generations have got so much to learn from each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. it isn't a, an us and them. It's, a, you know, we're, we're all, well, we are, we're all the body together. And yeah. that's that. We've got so much that we can learn from each other. And oh, that's really, that's really wonderful and heartening to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, Tommy, there's another area I want to talk to you about. One of the things in your book you talk a lot about is the place of preaching. Oh, yeah. yes. Now, listen. Come on. It seems to me, <laughs> do you not think that there's not enough a lot of preachers around? People seem yeah. to be either giving talks or giving lectures. So what's the difference between giving a talk and giving a lecture? I see that's because I was saying, yeah. I, I was excited about this as well because I was saying, <clears throat> I find, um, you know, because I think as a preacher, you know, as you know, you, you've got a responsibility, you know, you're not, you, you've got a responsibility challenge as well, you know, and it's like the word of God isn't just all like, like we, we do talk about the love of God, but actually we're also challenging people as well. Um, and also you might have a prophetic, you know, word as well. We seem to shy away a wee bit away from that within our preaching, within the, well, within the Church of Scotland especially. So, yes, please, Tommy, and, you know, let us let, let's know your thoughts here because uh, yeah, I, I mean, think this is, mean both, both me and Albert are excited by this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love preaching. I love preaching myself. I love listening to other people preaching. And here's where I think we need to get to. I think, 
the, the church, because of the challenges we've been facing, I think we've been looking anywhere and everywhere else for how do we navigate our way out of this? And so that can be this method or what they did in that church or what this movement have been doing. Now, there is always stuff we can glean from other places and from other people. But God has covenanted that it is through the foolishness of what is preached that people will be saved, people will be set free. And I think that on the one hand, you know, I, I'll listen to new initiatives, new ideas. Um, in fact, as part of the tour, we had Hannah Sanderson with us, who's the new innovation and events manager within the Church of Scotland. I mean, there is a God in heaven. We now have an innovation manager within the Church of Scotland. That's a miracle. Um, and, and, and so I'm for all of that. But, but Scotland has an incredible history and heritage of the preached word of God. And, and, and that, for me, is the distinction, is, is that when I'm speaking about preaching, I'm talking about biblical preaching. I'm talking about taking the word of God and, and, and not just applying kind of reason, logic or method or methodology to it. But what is God saying to us through his word? And Laura, you're absolutely right. I think every sermon should have a prophetic element to it. Now, now that doesn't mean, you know, thus saith or, oh, I have a word from the Lord. You know, I mean, some people do that. But, but no, no, when we're spending time as those who are preparing to preach, we're inviting God to come and share his heart with us so that we can then speak his heart to others. And and as you know, and you guys know this as well as I do, that, that we, we prepare our sermons, but, but there's oftentimes the Sharima word that God will drop in as we're preaching. And we have no idea who it's for. And, you know, it's just, but we know we have to run with it. And that, again, for me, happens most in the context of biblical preaching. And, and this, this uh, American author and preacher, a guy, J. Oswald Smith, that uh, he said that you can go to seminary or to college and learn how to preach a sermon, but you have to go to God to get a message from his heart. And, and for me, so, so when I'm speaking about preaching and, and restoring our confidence in preaching, in the preaching of the word of God, that then, you know, we, we've walked that out here. And I'm seeing more and more of my colleagues in ministry actually feeling a sense of being called back to that. Because the reason why it's so important is, you know, even me on my best day with my best ideas, they're not sufficient to help meet the needs of the heart or the people in front of me. Uh, but if I connect to something of God's heart and bring something of that, uh, his revelation then to those who I'm speaking to, then there's every chance that they'll encounter him and his love and they'll hear from him and receive from him what they need for going forward. And, and so it is that element that, you know, today people don't need sermons. They need to hear from God. And the best way they can hear from God is when we just preach the word of God as it is. You know, I mean, yeah, it's so important as well. Like I think, um, actually, for and I think for for ministers to be fired up, you know, about preaching, you know, because you know that's it. We're ministers are word and sacrament, um, but you get caught up with so much else happening, you know, within the parish and um, and with people <clears throat> and all the rest of it that you don't always have as much time as you would like you know, to, to be able to prepare, you know, to sit down with the Lord and just be like, right, Lord, you know, fill me. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'm amazed, you know, we like actually what the Lord gives you with, you know, sometimes when you've got so little time. But, yeah. you know, I just long for you actually have more time just to sit and like, you know, in preparation for that, for that, yeah. 
for that time. But here's another thing I want you to think about preaching. But don't you think also that God is at work in the hearts of the people who come to hear the preaching? So here is the thing. Are the faces of the people you're preaching to becoming the notes? The notes for the sermons and, and the tune for the sermon. You see, I think there's a tune that goes to every sermon. Do you know that? I actually think preaching is, is melodic. It's about breaking things up and down. It's about using your voice, using your heart, using your lungs, using your very self in preaching. Yes. Yeah. And it's a physical thing, don't you think? Yeah. I do think, I mean, you're absolutely right, you know, and, and the old the old saying used to be, you know, if you want to see, you know, passion in the pew, you've got to see some passion in the pulpit, or you've got to see, if you want to see some fire in the pew, see some fire in the pulpit. Um, and, and I do think that I am honestly praying that God does a renewal work within the hearts of, of those who he's called uh, to minister and to preach the word of God. And that the first thing will happen is that we're restored in our confidence in who God is. And then we'll be restored in our confidence in the message that he's given us to share. Because the bottom line is, you know, it is still not only the good news, it's the best news. And and, and people are dying to hear it. Um, and, and and I think, I mean, we see evidence. And you're absolutely right, Albert. You know, when, when I'm preaching, you know, I'll see the emotion in the faces of the folk in front of me. And that mm. can be, you know, from, from, from laughing, laughter, tears of laughter to, to tears of brokenness. And it's often in these moments that, that God shares his heart with you and, and where he just steers you in terms of what you've been prepared. So whilst I think there's the importance of preparing and what we do, we need to just have it open in our preaching times for the leading of the Holy Spirit to totally change direction. And and, and and if required, as as I'm sure we've all done, well, this is what I've prepared for today, but <laughs> God has just said, and, and and to have the confidence in God to go with that, it's and that's why I find it um, just such an exciting thing to engage in. Do you know, Tommy, Martha used to say to me when I was moderator, and sometimes I would have a sermon written out, and I, I was wanting to make sure I was getting everything right. Yeah. And after I'd, I'd almost read the sermon, you know, I would go home and Martha would say, that was terrible, that was still... <laughs> <laughs> you know because it's not who you are albert you, she would say you really need to go away from reading those notes what makes you think that what you're written there is any better than when you depart from all that and you prepare it but then you look at the people and you yeah. speak the word of god yeah. i think that's where we need more of that confidence to to fly yeah. it's almost like going out to fly preaching it's a sense it there's you, you're almost like throwing yourself into the congregation you're you know, like one of these bodies flying. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and you know, I think as well, so this is something that, that, you know, any preachers who are listening to this that they might find helpful, is that we need to encourage our congregations to come hungry and expectant. You know, one of my favourite preachers is a man by the name of Bishop T.D. Jakes of the Potter's House. <laughs> and he is just a remarkable preacher. And, and he regularly says... Listen, he'll say this at the beginning of a sermon. How well I preach this morning is more dependent on you than it is on me. He said, I've done all the hard work of preparing. But if you come and you're sitting here and you're quite happy and everything is fine, then 
then you know what? You know, I'll, I'll preach an okay message. But if you come saying, God, I need to hear from you today. And and God, what, what is it that you're saying to me in this season? Then he says, you're going to draw all that God has put within me and more out. Uh, and, and so, you know, I've even said to my own folk, you know, if I preach a bad sermon on a Sunday, then then I'm not going to totally absolve myself of responsibility, but you're at least partly to blame for that. <laughs> 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 yeah, good. Listen, here's another thing about, do you think there's a place for the evangelist in the church? You talk about this in your book as well, about yeah. the church reclaiming the place to speak, to speak the message of hope to people who are on the fringe Searching for meaning, searching for hope. Yeah, I mean, I I think the church needs to rediscover its voice into every single part of society, and every single person in society. And I get, I do think it is largely tied into our sense of confidence in the gospel, which I think was has been eroded over the years, and then probably even during COVID came came under even more pressure. And I think what we need to rediscover is. And I say this in the book that that every Christian, by definition, is a missionary. Um, you know, because an evangelist is someone who 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 receives the good news and who is then commissioned to go, sent out to share it. And 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 I think where, where the church needs to maybe be renewed in our understanding of the evangelist and mission is, you know, in the same way that we looked for renewal to happen outside of us, then then mission and evangelism was something that we, we paid people to do. It became a professional role. Um, and, mm. and there are evangelists, but, but in the same way that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, you know, they're there to equip the body for the for the expression of ministry. Then so an evangelist um, who may have specific anointing, then that anointing will not be best expressed by them going and doing all the evangelism, but by them being released within the church and equipping everyone in front of them to be the evangelists. Mm. And, and, you know, so I, I speak in the book about how we, we have this classical understanding of mission and evangelism, where it's something that either professional people do, or it's something that happens somewhere else, especially on the other side of the world, mm. you know, where they really need the gospel. And the bottom line is I have people on my street in Stornoway who really need the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, and so to me, for me to be an evangelist here in Stornoway can mean me crossing the street. And you know what? And again, this is a little counterintuitive to me in terms of who I used to be, but not always been a rush and trying to get Jesus across to people. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Oh, I've got to get the gospel in. Actually, no, you don't. Jesus is our example. And when he sat with the woman at the well, you know, he entered into her world. Hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? I mean, how mental is that? The Son of God communicating need to this woman who she's out here getting water at midday because everyone's judged and rejected her. And so sometimes our evangelism can be can mean us going into our community and saying, hey, we need a little bit of hand with this in the church. Can you come and give us a hand with this? And as people engage and as we engage with them, then they actually see something of Jesus, uh, mm -hmm. which can then prepare the way for us to be able to speak about him. Yeah, there's nothing more powerful than that, you know, that personal invitation. You know, yeah. when you're getting to know people and you see that, you know, that genuineness and you, and you, you know, as you get to know them and you're thinking, well, what is, you know, what is this that's going on in their life that's, you know, there's nothing more powerful than, than that, you know, finding out and, and being able to, you know, share your story 
in that way with people that you've got alongside and and got to know because it's it's so much more genuine and authentic I think whenever you've actually built that relationship yeah no it's absolutely right so this kind of story sharing story I think is quite a, an, an important idea that you've brought up there uh, being willing to share our story with one another and with with friends and with our workmates and with people we, we you know with the story of God how 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 we are beginning to change and the change that's happening in our lives and the way we see things in a new way. Yeah. And and also as Christians, among Christian brothers and sisters, sharing that we the changes that we are experiencing, which helps us connect with one another and somebody else saying, I thought you always thought this. And then we discover that you we're much closer to one another and we start seeing it's the Holy Spirit working in the whole church to bring about the unity of God's people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think tied into that is, you know, I mean, we specialize this in the church in terms of judging one another, you know, and and and, uh, but but that can happen in the world too, where those who maybe don't come to the church, where they think that we think that we're goody two shoes and that we don't yes. do anything wrong, uh, and actually when we share life story and share life with them, they begin to see that we are no different to them, not one iota. We encounter all the same challenges, all the same difficulties. The only difference for us is is that. By God's grace, we know we've got someone to take these things to. And we have someone in Jesus who helps us and who journeys with us in life. And, and I think encouraging that within people takes all of the pressure off in terms of, you know, the evangelist and, and getting Jesus into the conversation. Just trust him with that in his time. You know, because I do, in the book, I speak about the Shed Project. And, you know, when we opened that in 2014, it was our biggest a statement to our community that this is how much we're for you. This is how much we love you. And all of our staff, uh, youth and schools and community who work in there, they, they've all been trained and equipped that that actually, you know, it's a privilege to journey with people in their lives with whatever they're at. And, and so your goal isn't to tell them about Jesus. Your goal is to love them. And then and then we actually then we trust God with what he wants to do. And, and we actually respect them as individuals. Uh, in terms of their own journey, whether that's with faith or not. But, but we're not going to make the love that we have for them conditional on them saying they're going to buy in to who we are and what we do as a church. You know, God's love is unconditional. So if we're going to represent his love to the world, you know, th then it has to be on that same unconditional level. See this title, Sleeping Giant. I'm quite interested in that. The Sleeping Giant in... It's an old giant. Is it a sleeping giant that's weary and worn and kind of tattered? Um, you know, does this giant got arthritis? You know, what is is this giant? Is it the Church of Scotland? Is the giant the church at large? You know, the sleeping giant, is there what are you pulling out of that idea? What's 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 there? For me, it's a kind of panoramic view of uh, the people of God in, in Scotland. Um, my publisher, when I was working with him, he was very keen that, that although because I'm ministering in Scotland, and Scotland's where my heart is, that's where my passion is for revival. But he had a sense that this is a kingdom message. Uh, and so it can, could be applied across the UK and even further afield. And for me, yeah, yeah the, the, the giant is without question, just, just the people of God. Um, who've maybe in some ways lost their way, 
lost their awareness of who God is, who God says they are. And I think, you know, the various words you've used there, Albert, tired, mm -hmm. weary, dilapidated, discouraged, all of that answer, I think, I think is true. Um, but I do think that, you know, the subtitle of the book is A Call to the Church to Awake and Arise. I, I think the potential for who the Church of Christ, the Bride of Christ, can be within our nation. You know, in a day when we know that social services and health services are being stretched to the absolute limit, then then for gaps in provision and gaps in services, I think I think the church can literally be a volunteer army where people can be recommissioned and, and realize that actually part of the renewing of their faith can be that they can become part of the answer to their own prayers and that they become an extension of God's heart and that they do that Yes, by re-engaging and serving in the church, but they also look at their community and think, right, how can I be of service? How can I be a blessing to those who are, who are around me? Um, and here's where, again, it's somewhat counterintuitive, but it's not It's not that. It's actually deeper than that, where, where this is a spiritual thing for me. So I think the giant in, in terms of the church in Scotland is, is probably in the worst state it's been for a, probably a generation. Uh, and and I say that as someone who's been part of the church for for the last thirty odd years, but, but but see on the one hand, whilst that's maybe really discouraging and really challenging, and some may question that, for me it fills me with faith, absolute faith, because you know what, I think we've got to a stage where unless God shows up, <laughs> unless something sovereign happens, uh, and He knows that, that then it's this interesting dynamic for me that, that that the worst things are. And hey, let's be honest, as a Church of Scotland minister like you guys, you know, sometimes, I mean, we as a denomination right now, I mean, things are, are in a degree imploding with the Presbyterian planning and everything else. Things are at their lowest ebb, definitely, that they've been for a generation. But historically, when things are at their worst and things are at their lowest and people think things can't get any worse, that is often when God shows up. Mm -hmm. And I have real faith for that. And I have real faith for the people of Scotland being absolutely surprised and even in awe as the Church of Christ awakes and arises. Uh, and I think that that will only, not only bless our nation, I think it's going to speak prophetically to nations across the earth. So the, the, next, book, Tommy, the yes. next book is to be called The Awaking Giant. <laughs> well, you can write that one. You can write that one, Albert. <laughs> The awakening giant. What is God going to do as this giant awakens? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but you know, but see, even the, the prospect of that, isn't that an exciting message? And see if you take that to White Inch and if you take that to Bones where you were, Albert, and you take that, if you take that to individual congregations and say, listen, we know things have been challenging. We know things are at a, at a bit of a low ebb. But you know what? God isn't finished with you yet. And 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 you know, part of, of the reason why I think there's so much life in Sleeping Giant is that embodied within the book is the story that I've walked out in Mars Memorial. I came in 2006. The church was being threatened with closure. The Presbyterian tried to close it. They had an aging membership. They had a they needed a new heating system. Uh, they had just they were struggling for resource in every way. There was nothing, humanly speaking, that would attract anyone to that church. And even spiritually, you know, they, they, they were the poor relative in terms of the Christian community. Others kind of looked down and felt sorry for them. And, and as my wife Donna and I prayed about where God was leading us, we had the sense that that would just be like the kind of place where God would show up. 
and, and confound the critics and, and silence the skeptics and say, wow, he really is God. And, 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 and another thing on that, when, you know, back in the day, uh, and I don't know if you've ever met Peter Nielsen, Laura, but Albert and I journeyed with Peter over the years. And, and Peter was a visionary and just a wonderful man. And I shared with him before I actually went to my first charge in ministry about some of what was in my heart, I believe God was calling me to. And he then said to me back then in the early 2000s, Tommy, if you see half of what you have in your heart come to fruition, then I'll be able to go to anywhere in Scotland and tell them, don't you tell me this won't work here. Because if this works in Stormy and in Lewis, which is the most religious conservative place in Scotland, then it'll work anywhere. And I think part of our story is, is and it's kind of caught up in Sleeping Giant, is it's a prophetic message of hope to the rest of the body of Christ, and especially to Church of Scotland you know, uh, congregations who might be really struggling. And actually, their lowest point could yet become the foundation in which God builds something incredibly mm-hmm. new and something really fresh. Yeah. That, that, that wonderful text that comes to my mind in Revelations, when you're going to wake up, when you're going to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Oh, there you go. Huh? Bob Dolan's song, but, but when you're going to wake up, yeah. And strengthen the things that remain because there are still stuff that's remaining. Oh, without question. Yeah, without question. Yeah. And we have to strengthen that. So, yeah, so it's such an encouraging idea. So, here's the question then Where is the potential within the Church of Scotland? Where do you see the potential within the Church of Scotland and within the Church in Scotland? I mean, you know, Laura's on this call this evening, and um, and Laura is part of the the kind of the message of hope. I think that we're sharing with our church in terms of you know new generation of leaders who are coming up, who God has raised up for for this time, um, who have such a heart for Him and His kingdom, and for to see His kingdom just break out. And I think you know, in terms of the Church of Scotland, one of the things that that um, I shared as part of the book tour was that you know the church of scotland is is the best uh church that's placed in terms of seeing something happen across the nation uh because of of us having a church in every city every town all the rest of it now i know some of that's under threat with with all of the reorganization that's going on but but nonetheless we're still uh, and we still have access to the schools and, and we still are at the kind of parish church in most places and so we get invitations to places that that others wouldn't and i think with that and and i mean you, you you know my heart, guys, and, and I'm not denominationalist. I, I couldn't care less, you know, wherever, wherever God chooses to move. Um, and so it's not that I'm in any way negative about independent or, or other denominations. But the bottom line is, if God is going to do something fresh by his Holy Spirit, then most of the people in Scotland, the church they have at least a little awareness of is the one their granny went to or the one they were dragged to go to Sunday school. And, and so... There might be 40, 50 years since they went to that church, but but it's the church they know. And I think that when God moves by his Holy Spirit, that people will begin to seek out these places that they were familiar with. Uh, and, and I think that we are going to see um, more and more of that in the, in the years to come. So I, th- I think for the Church of Scotland, um, and it gets back to what I said previously, I think uh, we're currently maybe at the lowest place we've been in some time. Um, and I think that God willing, well, now he can really show up and do something um, that, that reveals that, yeah, he is God, that he's not forgotten us, 
and 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 in his perfect timing that when he does a fresh work, that then we can't glory in it, and the the denomination can't, and one two one can't glory in it. That it becomes a Psalm one hundred eighteen verse twenty three moment. That uh, this is the work of God, and it is wondrous in our eyes. Tommy, here's a question then: Do you think? There's an element of humility that's required that we're now becoming a humbler church to partner with other congregations and other churches and other denominations. And if we're thinking and doing something new, you know, fresh expressions of church doing something new, do you think part of the potential is working with others? I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, we mentioned about the book tour earlier in, in the, the call, and, um, you know, let me speak about Perth, for instance. 300 people came to Perth to the Perth evening of the book tour. Um, and honestly, talk about, you know, across the denominations. And, and we gathered because it was under the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, yes, it was a book tour, but it was a worship event. And so people knew that we're gathering under his name. And, and you know, when people gather with that mindset and with that heart, then it, it is, it's invigorating, it's refreshing, it's renewing. And part of that is Psalm 133, when God's people come and dwell in unity, there he commands a blessing. And I think that where the Church of Scotland is going to face some challenges in terms of, yeah, our weakness and not able to, to have the, the, the kind of parish ministry expression that we once did, then if that means that we've got to look to the Baptist Church or the Free Church or the local charismatic fellowship and say, yeah, we're no longer resourced to be able to help us, can we look at working together? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm excited at that, and I'll tell uh -huh. you what I think. I think Jesus is excited about that, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and what a what a witness that could be to communities, you know, that instead of us being on the other side of the street and and pointing the finger at each other, and actually we realize, no, no, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and and you know, and we're all here for this time. So so let's look at. Uh, partnering and working together. Do you think we should embarrass one another by doing that? Do you know the way in all our denominations, everybody wants to be, we all, yes, we're going to do that, but we all guard our own wee bit. But isn't it, wouldn't it be the real powerful bit would be to really challenge and say, let's do this together. Yeah, yeah. You know. Aye. Uh-huh. Yeah. Aye. Well, I know, like, in my community, um, like, I've come in and I thought, well, who can I work with? <laughs> You know, and it's um, and it's working with you know other denominations, and it's really exciting. You know, yeah. and it's uh, and and it's life giving. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It is. Yeah. yeah, we we've just launched a new part of the shed project called Safe Families. So they're a national organisation, but we've become a franchise of them because they've only worked in city settings where they run whole teams with the local authorities. But we've become a franchise, and and. You know, one of the real blessings of it is, is that as our as our community volunteer manager looks to engage with church and community, that then she's going to a it's almost a different denomination every single week to speak about this work, and and, yeah. and I mean I mean seeing a place like Lewis getting the churches to work together is particularly challenging. I mean, let's be real and honest about that, but but through this initiative, that then all people are asked for is you know do you have a, do you have a heart for people and some spare time in your hands. And if they say yes to these questions, then we couldn't care what church or even no church that they're part of. But, but we're already seeing the fruit and the blessing of, because what's happening is, is that as individual believers are kind of signing up for the work, then their ministers are becoming aware of it. And, and we're now having conversations as, as leaders in terms of around this. And, and I think that this could be 
some of the, the the kind of early shoots of of yeah just a greater degree of of working together and working in partnership so the message is to get out there to say to the grassroots folks and congregations and those outside congregations start talking to one another and start working because that's the holy spirit at work yeah. in our communities yeah. and uh, i used to find when i was in bonnes the the number of people who were not going to church but who were volunteering to help in our different social outreach programs yeah. it was really so encouraging yeah. and they were quite happy to come along and be part of the church in mm -hmm. fact they saw that as they ended up thinking and believing they were part of the church yes. the only thing was that the people who went on a sunday morning didn't quite get that yeah no absolutely yeah no I, and i think and i think that's right and and I mean, I think the potential of that in terms of actually God's people within communities being seen to work together. I mean, what an affirming message uh, that, that really backs up what the gospel is all about. Um, and I do think that we're going to see, we're definitely going to see more and more of that in the days to come. Well, listen, I think we've had a very interesting conversation tonight. Remember, we started off at the very beginning talking about a renewal and you were talking about a personal renewal. We needed to have come a personal renewal in our own lives. Yeah. And then we talked about prayer and about the God who answers prayer, you know, and people start getting excited about prayer being answered. And then we started to talk about um, about preaching and, yeah. get, you know, getting excited about the, the preachers among us, those who are ministers listening to us, you know, to get tuned into the, the, the preaching vibe again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and leave the notes behind, do the preparation and then leave the notes behind and start flying in the pulpit. Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> and then we talked about, we talked, Tommy, about the, the place of sharing, faith sharing. Mm. That That is about being real, being honest, being yourself in that situation and drawing alongside people and telling your story. Remember, we, Laura talked about storytelling and telling your story. Yeah. You know. Um, and then we talked about where is the potential in the church today, mm. and and we actually also we talked about the old guys like myself, the ages ones. You gave me a lot of hope there, Tommy. You know, I was thinking, oh, hey. yes, God's not finished with me yet. <laughs> well, you know, a chapter in the book. One of them is called God's Retirement Plan. You know that that's the chapter I've had the most feedback on. And and more and the feedback has been yeah I I I feel refreshed and renewed and I'm re-engaging again in my own local community, I mean come on that's what it's all about, and and we're back as you said we're back into community again and yeah. and and that's what the gospel's about about the God who is in community the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit living in community who has created us to live in community and to bring peace into the world and to become the peacemakers in our yeah. communities, bringing pe people to God, to be reconciled to God and brought into, into a relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, the awakening giant. There you go. That's part <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Tommy, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It's been a real pleasure uh, sharing with you and chatting with you. And, um, uh, Thank you to you, Laura, for being with us tonight. And and I do think that the doc has missed himself tonight, hasn't he? 
Oh, I think he has missed a belter, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll be fine and you'll give him the positive feedback and he'll be blessed in receiving that. So thank you so much. Until next, until next month, when we can come together again for another Late Show, Friday Late Show. Have a good time. God bless you and be with you this week. Thank you week so much, guys. Thank you. Lovely to be with Bye. you all. Thank Bye. you. Bye.